welcome, welcome, Housers, to another episode of On The Way Home. Uh, we are so fortunate every week on this podcast to have incredibly brilliant people talking about the great work they're doing uh, across the nation, around the world, uh, in the sector of housing, homelessness, health, poverty reduction, uh, food insecurity, so many. Uh, and I learn so much every week, and I hope you do too. Um, listen, you know, the only way we're going to make things change is if we build that awareness and education. That's what we attempt to do with this podcast. So please share widely. Uh, I am from Blue Door, Blue Door's organization. And for the past 41 years in York, Durham, and Peel region, we've been doing great work with our most vulnerable, helping them find emergency housing, transitional housing, supportive housing for seniors, for families, for 2S LGBTQ plus youth, um, and much, much more. We help them access healthcare services. We have some of those on site. And as well, we run a construction social enterprise called Construct, uh, something that we are looking to take that actual idea and bring it across Canada. Um, and I say, we don't want to run it, but we actually want to take Construct, find funding for other organizations who want to run maybe a construction social enterprise where they launch people into the trades, uh, where they'll make great money to prevent homelessness or, or make it real, a real short experience. It'll be meaningful work. Um, it's just a real successful program. And we're looking for organizations that uh, might be interested in running a construct in uh, in their area. We'll help you get up and get started. And we hope to bring some funding to you to make that happen too. If you're interested in that or just check out the work that we do at Blue Door, go to bluedoor.ca. Hey, we don't do this podcast alone. We have an awesome partner in the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness. They're an incredible group. Uh, they do all sorts of training, advocacy. They run a giant conference that uh, is just brilliant. Next year, it'll be in Ottawa. Uh, it was just in Halifax this year. Uh, and much, much more. Check out the work they're doing. Uh, become uh, linked to them. Get their newsletter and updates. Go to caeh.ca uh, and witness the wonderful impact work that they are doing. Let's talk about today's guest. Uh, I've been a fan of today's guest for a long time, uh, Larry Cohen. And Larry is the executive director of Point Source for Youth, the co-founder of that. Uh, Larry's been doing incredible work in the area of preventing youth homelessness. And I just love uh, his just kind of uh, take no prisoners, kind of push through, not take no for an answer. I mean, he he really took Point Source of Youth from the beginning as a founder to a force in the United States. Uh, we talk on the podcast about a really cool project that Point Source is doing um, in a few different places where they do a cash transfer to youth. Um, and I think people at first are shocked. You're just giving youth cash? Uh, but he talks about the economics of it, of allowing youth to make choices, to decide what, you know, make decisions for themselves around housing and their future and the success that they've seen in doing these youth transfers, how expensive it is to keep people in emergency housing versus uh, giving people these youth these cash transfers and uh, the outcomes that are different, much more positive outcomes with the youth transfers. We talk about that, his journey into the work why he's so passionate about it, and much, much more. It is a must-listen. Let's go to that conversation now. Larry, so great to have you on, on the On The Way Home podcast. I'm excited about this. I've been looking forward to chatting uh, with you for a while. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's so fun to be here. So, Larry, we ask every guest this question. I'm looking forward to your answer because it's, I guess, very personal for people. There's no right or wrong. Uh, and that is, what does home mean to you? 
Um, I would say chosen family is the best way to, to describe home. Yeah. I love that. You know, and here's the common theme. Larry, with all, everyone's answers, no one talks about the bricks and mortar. Really, <laughs> right. That doesn't mean it's sense. about family safety, that kind of thing. Uh, we want to learn a little bit about our guests. You have an incredible story. And it's, you know, challenge by choice, share what you'd like. Uh, I, I think all of us, when we were going to uh, high school or grade school, we didn't think, we, we didn't dream of ending up in the housing and homelessness sector. Somehow we end up there. Can you share a little bit of your story? Sure. Um, I grew up in Miami Beach. Um, my mother was an uh, immigrant from Guatemala and my father was uh, from the Bronx in New York. Um, his parents were Russian Jewish before that. And they met in Miami Beach and had me and my brother. Um, and it was a tumultuous uh, childhood, um, very unstable, lots of verbal abuse and um, other kinds of abuse as well. And yeah, I kind of escaped by being depressed, you know, not speaking, uh, stuttering when I did speak. And then um, lots of bullying in school and then waited basically till I got out of the house and went to college, which I did in California, UC Berkeley. I wanted to go to a public school. Didn't trust my parents would pay for it after I came out. And then um, started working in HIV AIDS because that's when uh, the AIDS crisis was pretty bad. It was right when AZT came out before combination therapy. And then when combination therapy came out, um, did a lot of work with an organization there to train doctors and patients on that new therapy, which would change kind of everything moving forward. And that kind of morphed to um, the world's biggest database of doctors, which um, I was minority owner of, and we sold to a private equity firm, which sold it to IBM Watson. And then I started Point Source Youth together with Ronald Johnson and Colin McSwiggin in order to end the youth homelessness crisis. Um, there was a lot of work done in HIV. There's still more work to be done today, and Point Source Youth does a lot of work in HIV as well. Um, and youth homelessness seemed to require a similar level of investments and focus um, as HIV has and other um allied movements need continued investments for and that's kind of why we started points with youth is to focus on ending youth homelessness specifically for lgbtq and bipoc youth um which uh, were really underserved what an amazing journey and story and so cool thanks for sharing let's talk a little bit more about point source for youth you founded it uh, and you sit with some co-founders. What is the primary, like, so what, what are some of the things you're doing? 2016 was when you founded it? 2015, yeah, pretty 2015. close. 2015. So in the past eight years, what are some things that Point Source has been working on? What are you most proud of? We're going to talk about one of those today, but uh, you've done all sorts of great stuff in the space. Yeah, well, now we're working with um, 70 communities and 90 partners. So that's... Um, incredible in uh, many states. And then we work to place power and resources in the hands of young people directly in partnership. Point Source Youth never provides services ourselves. And so we support um, host homes, direct cash transfers for housing, direct cash transfers for prevention, rapid rehousing, um, youth engagement um, in all of those communities by working with amazing local partners. And we have three incredible conferences a year uh, getting the youth homeless community together to really uh, coalesce around 
solutions that place power and resources in the hands of youth directly um, and have a new policy department as well, which we're really excited about. So when I started Point Source Youth, I was um, a volunteer, president of the board as volunteer. And uh, today I'm executive director and we're a staff of 24, soon to be um, 28 people. Um, yeah, and working in um, 70 communities. It's incredible. And it really takes brave individuals like yourself to go out and say, uh, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And I'm going to take that step forward. It's very scary to start something and try and get it off the ground. You're now going to have 28 staff. Incredible. Uh, so, so we have a lot of different listeners from across Canada and around the world. Can you help us kind of understand what does youth homelessness look like across the U.S.? Yeah, so 10% of all youth experience unstable housing in a given year. It's the same in urban and rural areas. So it's basically everywhere. Um, it looks different than, you know, chronic adult homelessness or veteran homelessness. There's lots of um, couch surfing um, and lots of, you know, creativity that young people have um, in struggling and trying to manage their houselessness. Um, so it does look different. Um, it is a giant problem um, and one that points for youth is laser focused to address. LGBTQ youth are over represented, BIPOC, Black Indigenous youth of color are, are over represented and trans youth and Black trans youth are especially um, over represented. And those are also the young people who have the most issues being affirmed by the current youth homelessness system, given you know the geography of the U.S., and also just given the um, difference, right, in who's providing services and who's receiving services, you know, difference in age, difference in income, difference in race, difference in sexual orientation, and difference in gender identity. That difference is giant, um, and one that Point Source Youth really focuses on addressing. Very cool. Now, there's a lot of great information out there, and there's a lot of bad information out there, especially when it comes to youth homelessness. Lots of misinformation and misunderstanding that people have. Uh, what should people know? Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart. Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. I mean, I would say there's less and perhaps misinformation than ignorance of the importance of the issue. Um, so I think that's the main thing, that it's a hugely important issue. 10% of young people experience unstable housing. The second thing that's really important to know when thinking about youth homelessness is um, understanding the awesomeness of young people um, who are experiencing homelessness and the creativity and the resilience and the intelligence and acumen it takes to survive those levels of trauma um, and intersecting traumas and racism and adultism and homophobia and transphobia on 
you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day basis and to survive that and thrive in it oftentimes. Um, and then the last thing that is really important to know is that we can end youth homelessness, the youth homelessness crisis, we can make it rare, brief, non-recurring to be more specific in a pretty simple way by resourcing those young people and then asking them, how can we help you versus waiting and expecting them to go through hoops and hurdles and lists and forms and documentations and um, to get along with many different kinds of people before they get any help. Um, instead, censoring the help first and making the help unconditional and well-resourced. Um, I'm really excited that we can end youth homelessness and we can end it pretty simply by placing power and resources directly in the hands of young people. And I love that. And I love that. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about one of the things you're doing. And I think, you know, uh, a large percentage of youth experiencing homelessness have traveled through uh, the child welfare system. They come out. And so there's a great deal of mistrust because, I, and again, no research to back me up or might not, but around, you know, the people that were supposed to love you unconditionally to start with, in the sense if you're going through that system, they're not there. Everyone else has been you know, in your life for a short period of time, it's hard to build up relationships with everyone that was supposed to care about you in a sense, has kind of let you down or it's been short term. So a lot of mistrust, right, with the adults. And and so and we put them through their paces and it's, it's really unfair uh, for young people. And I felt there was a great, even saying that when you talk about resilience, uh, my, experiencing, my experience working with youth experiencing homelessness was there's still a great deal of, of hope. It was, hey, man, this is my experience for now. This is not forever. Mm -hmm. right? um, so let's talk about one of the things you're doing that I think is super cool. We talk about this, and I think sometimes, you know, with best intentions, we do some kind of have, you know, half measures to help and wonder why it doesn't work or we're reacting to homelessness after it's happened. But as things are starting um, and we look now, hopefully to focus on prevention, you're doing something really cool. Uh, you're working on a direct cash support project. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how that works? Yeah, sure. So there's two. One, um, direct cash transfers as prevention, and the other one is direct cash transfers for a housing outcome for young people who are currently unstably housed. Um, so the first one, direct cash transfers as prevention, takes a lot of the lessons learned from Washington in the US, Washington State, um, in a way home Washington, which has, has been doing it for some time. And so if you um, train a wide number of individuals who encounter young people um, to be aware when a young person is about to experience unstable housing and then identify um, housing options and things that can prevent them, prevent them from experiencing homelessness in the first place and giving them money for those things. Um, and around 3,000 to 4,000 US dollars um, on average, some less, some more, you can end and prevent them from experiencing homelessness in the first place. And then you have, you know, there's motivational interviewing and training of allied um, adults um, to help as well. But the cash being really critical um, and the there's no no there with with the cash that is really given to the young young person and they're empowered to use the cash wisely for the things that they determine they need at that point in time to prevent them from being unstably housed and those needs being centered around really flexible uses of money for their housing and the second one is direct cash transfers for housing when the young person is unstably housed um so 
Now that looks very similar to rapid rehousing in the U.S., where a landlord a landlord gets you know one year to two years worth of rent, and a young person then um, helps to offset that rent with their own income, um, and there's a lease in their own name, and then there's you know optional services as well. So the permutation of that that we center, while also supporting rapid rehousing, which is a great intervention, is to give the money money to the young person instead of the landlord. You know, it's like a very small shift in words, um, but uh, really transformative in its power. Um, young people are, are experts in their own lives. And actually right now, it would be hard to find any program in probably any city or any state where a young person can knock on the door of a service provider and say, hey, I need $30,000 over two years to be stably housed. You know, um, there's no way young people can get money, right? It's you have to wait on a waiting list. You have to be on this building, on this block, in this city with this roommate. Um, it's never empowering the young person as the expert in navigating their lives, which they are. I mean, you can never understand all the nuances of another person's needs. Um, and then uh, the arrogance of forcing them right to um, do certain things only, you know, which we do by forcing them to stay in a shelter or to stay in a trans transitional living program or stay in one permanent supportive housing program versus giving them those funds and then asking them, what other services do you need after that? So anyway, it's the cost of shared housing for 24 months given directly to the, the young person. And then in both examples, we're at Point Source Youth, we're really centering having peer navigators, so having young people deliver services to other young people. So a lot of times the other answer in these programs is young persons needs other help right besides cash which we um, uh, agree with and the answer to giving that young person other help is to hire a social worker or somebody with an advanced degree to then help them um, we've seen that hiring a young person to help another young person with mentorship and management by somebody with an advanced degree is the better solution um, and that young people helping other young people really make tremendous progress you know they have flexible communications and a young person can now have support from somebody that comes from their community and has their shared lived experience which um is huge so that's um direct cash transfers for prevention and for housing and services with peer navigators um young people who are helping other young people well listen and i'm sure what an incredible programs or both of them and i'm sure it didn't come about without people pushing back and and i gotta say well i was in new york city we were meeting with you and the team there and someone on the team our group said give a young person three thousand oh, they would never and you said you need to check your adultism and which i thought was great because there's too many assumptions made right there's assumptions made about oh if you give someone it, it not just youth it's it's all people experience homelessness if you give them money they'll spend it on X, Y, or they'll do this, or, you know, or there's a lot of assumptions that you're saying, listen, these, these are the experts. So let's talk about number one, did you get some pushback? Number two, what are some of the results you're seeing in giving people or providing them with these cash transfers or these uh, dollars for housing? Yeah. So um, on the second question first, so new, new York city and partnership with our research partners, we're seeing the first um, year's worth of, of data. It's a two and a half year study, so it's really early. But in general, youth um, who are receiving cash are spending it on housing. They have um, positive housing 
outcomes, they're saving money, and they also have positive health trends also. Um, so it's going as we um, expected it to. Also, it's a two-year cash transfer, right? So we're not expecting, you know, after three three months, everyone's problems are solved. I mean, young people experiencing homelessness, you know, are battling against tremendous um, societal issues of unaffordable housing, of discrimination based on income, based on race, based on gender and sexual or orientation. So it's going well. Um, that's what the data is indicating in its early days. And I would say on the pushback side, I would answer the question differently by asking a different question, which is, what is the current homeless system spending money on and is that working? Because that's what, what we're really going to show is that the current system is expensive and doesn't work um, and doesn't have long-term housing outcomes, especially non-permanent housing solutions, right? Things that are impermanent, like shelters, like tra transitional living programs, which don't have permanent housing outcomes afterward. I mean, there's an important ecosystem, but it's not like we have the current gold standard, which is working amazingly well, and people leave those programs stably housed with amazing jobs. The current system is expensive, and oftentimes young people are not leaving in the exits to permanent housing that we um, want. So we know that what we're spending money on now is not working so well. You know, so for example, a shelter costs $40,000 a year. Um, and what if you gave that money to a young person? So that's more of the question that we want to focus on is giving the money to the young person is more efficient. Um, you know, depending on the type of person asking these questions, that appeals to many different kinds of politically minded individuals, right? Spending state resources well by empowering the population that you want to help and giving them services after that. And we really want to make sure that the money is used for what young people want, which is housing and access to healthcare and good paying jobs and education and not giving the money to the to the young person and giving it to uh, institution by definition doesn't empower them in the same way so i think it's a great opportunity to reframe um the so solution and then we can have other things like um it could be cheaper it could be more efficient it can scale it doesn't require uh, uh, a nimbyism, not in my backyard mentality. Um, and it really enables the flexibility and creativity and awesomeness of young people um, to use those funds in creative and outstanding ways that we would have never expected them to use them. Um, so that's the part I'm really excited about is all the positivity that comes yeah. from empowering youth. Well, let's see, choice of where you live, like everyone else, saves money, saves lives, changes lives. Empowers uh, young people. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. I think sometimes it's about giving up that control and fear of. And I think the data, the early data, is showing people, young people, are seeing great success with this. So we we give them the power to create their own future and wrap those resources around them. Good things happen. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, the other analogy I like to say is, um, you know, if somebody's thirsty and in the desert, you have to study whether or not you give them water. <laughs> yeah fantastic i mean it's true now i've read already there's other states wanting to do this right there's other people coming on board to do this have you, have you seen growth yeah so we're doing 
Direct cash transfers for housing outcomes. That's around $30,000 the cost of shared housing for two years in New, New York City, um, soon to be San Francisco and the state of Oregon and, and a little bit of a different timeline in Vermont as well. And then for direct cash transfers for prevention, um, we just launched an RFP and are about to this week um, select the community communities that are going to work on that. But that's going to be two partners in New York City, three other partners, and two partners um, in the Bay Area. So um, that's seven plus five, 11. Um, so there's about 11 different communities all doing direct cash transfers in either prevention or for housing outcome today. Incredible work. Uh, so Larry, I'll tell you, we tried to do this. So Blue Door, a partnership with the Canadian Observatory on Homelessness and Away Home Canada, we actually tried to launch this uh, where I'm from, just north of Toronto, um, and with a, a small, but we had, a, uh, and we're still pushing for it. We had a tough time finding a funder to come on board around, and it was around the cash piece. People have said, we'll fund your staffing, we'll fund the research. The cash piece was tougher. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the funding model, how you went about uh, securing those funds? Yeah, so in each community of those 11, there's different um, funders. So um, philanthropy is a key funder. Um, so we have Trinity Wall Street in New York City, the New York City Fund for Youth and Family Homelessness, Google.org in the Bay Area, Tipping Point in the Bay Area, as well as the city of San Francisco, um, we're partnering on working with LASA, the LA Homeless Service Authority as well. New York City also funded the cash transfers itself. Um, I mean, the cash is needed. The funding is needed for the cash. The pushback needs to be addressed with continued confidence and clarity. And I think the thing I like to say over and over again is what you're spending money on right now, we know doesn't have the outcomes that yes. we want. And young people are experts in their own lives. And there's much, much data showing that cash transfers and direct cash are the most globally studied and effective anti-poverty tool. Um, everywhere outside of this conversation, if somebody says we want to address poverty, nobody says buy all these things give it to leaders and have those leaders redistribute those things on like buses and in buildings to folks who need income. I mean, everyone has realized globally that the most efficient and direct and helpful way of addressing poverty is through giving people money for what they need. I mean, just um, today on TikTok, uh, I saw um, Oprah and The Rock um, raising money for the Hawaii wildfires by giving directly young uh, families and others impacted by the wildfires money for their needs. I mean, no one would question that, right? If somebody is impacted by a crisis, wouldn't you want to give directly that family money for the, everything they need to rebuild their lives? I mean, why would you, you know, buy like a, a bus and fill it with things and drive it to Hawaii, even though that's impossible with the ocean, and then give it to somebody knowing that you bought them the wrong thing, right? They didn't need a t-shirt, they needed something else. Um, so it's strange in that it's kind of the most logical, the most studied, the most evaluated, the most direct, the most um, affirming, the most equity driven, the most trans-centric, LGBTQ, LGBTQ centric, anti-racist intervention we could come up with is resourcing well 
the population that we want to help and then asking them what services do they need thereafter. And if you have that kind of courage of communication, it then forces some uncomfortable conversations. Like when I, the specific quote, uh, Michael, was somebody said, my daughter would not spend that money well. And that's something we hear a lot. And that's when I said, check your adultism and your myopic view, because not everyone in the world is your daughter. And poor people are really good at managing money. And Black queer youth are amazing humans. And, you know, they're not you. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You're right. And I agree. I mean, you know, ask people, you know, who are the best people at budgeting? It's people that have had to budget mm -hmm. their entire lives, right? And every dollar counts. This is so cool. Larry, if people want to find out more about the amazing work that Point Source Youth are, is doing, uh, if they want to learn more, if they want to maybe scale it, say, to Canada or other parts of the world, where can they check out the, the work you're doing? Yeah, so if you go to pointsourceyouth.org, um, it's a great website. Under the um, intervention section, we have their two direct cash transfer projects, and they include budgets and RFPs, so you can learn how those projects are um, scaling. And then on that website, we also put all of our conference videos. We have three conferences a year, um, and those include the results and um, experiences of youth I'm going through the interventions and those get updated on a regular basis. Um, and yeah, we definitely want to partner. We want to, to, to grow and we want to work in partnership to end youth homelessness by placing power and resources directly in the hands of, of youth. I love it. I'm so grateful to you and the team for all you do. You do give us hope uh, in the fact that we can do this uh, and, and it's because of programs uh, that you're pushing forward, that you're leading. Uh, it's amazing work. Thank you so much for all you do. And thanks for joining us today on The Way Home. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Michael. All right, Larry, keep up the great work. We'll see you next time on The all Way right. Home. Bye now. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcasts wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.